0: You know, sometimes when I look out the window and see how divided America is today, I just want to close the iron shutters of my bunker and retreat into cataloging my ammunition and playing solitaire with my special edition deck of Heroes of the Coming Apocalypse cards. But then I think, no, I can't give up on this country. I have to try to find some way to bring together those on the right who want to restore our constitutional system and its liberties with those on the left who want to cut off our children's sexual organs, tear helpless infants from the womb, and sell their body parts for pseudoscientific experiments, and set the races and genders at infinite war with one another while global socialists centralize their power so they'll be free to sail the ship of state into the flaming depths of damnation, as they dance on the decks in orgiastic tribute to their demonic master, who darkens the sky with his black laughter in the triumphant certainty that he has lured them and us into an eternity of torment so he can complete his revenge against heaven by casting our screams at the feet of the God of all goodness, before tearing off his Nancy Pelosi mask to reveal that he is actually Satan himself, before tearing off his Satan mask to reveal he's actually Ilhan Omar. Clearly, the problem is messaging. If only we on the right could understand what the left is trying to say, we should be able to lay aside our differences and meet them halfway between our vision of a reclaimed republic and their ideal of a flaming hellscape ignited by holding the fires of evil to the ruins of our best wisdom and morality. So, for just a moment, let us conservatives cool the anger with which we demonize our political opponents while we hunt for the coffins in which they spend their daylight hours, and let us seek with all goodwill to understand what these cultural locusts are trying to sell us this time. For instance, I know that we on the right see the Second Amendment as the last defense of federalism and individual liberty, but isn't it possible that carefully drawn up red flag laws could prevent dangerous weapons from falling into the hands of madmen and criminals and constitutionalists and Republicans and fathers and mothers and anyone else who might believe in federalism and individual liberty? And sometimes, when left to say trans women are women with a straight face until we turn our backs on them, we on the right think they're trying to seduce us into parroting an obvious untruth in order ultimately to drag us and our children down and down and down to the bottom of a tar pit of lies where we can't tell the difference between loving marriage and the sort of sodomistic hedonism that can only lead to the painful deaths of both our bodies and our souls. But perhaps the truth is they're really just trying to do something else that involves wigs and spangly dresses, maybe singing some old Judy Garland songs before going home and drinking themselves into a stupor like old Judy Garland. And of course, whenever leftists try to talk to us seriously about how greenhouse gases that come from fossil fuels and cows and plants and life are making the world too hot or cold or stormy or calm or whatever the hell they want to scare us with depending on the day and the weather, we on the right immediately leap to the conclusion that they really want to incite panic so they can seize control of the energy that powers the engines of democracy in order to reserve easy transportation and comfortable living for overambitious yet incompetent elites while grinding the rest of us down into a Life of scarcity and restriction and helplessness. But maybe, stay with me here, just maybe, the facts are more nuanced than we want to believe. And if we could only begin to take leftists at their word, we'd realize they're just a bunch of childish idiots who have no idea what they're talking about, but are absolutely certain it must be science, whatever they in their ignorance think that means. In short, it's time for Americans on both sides, good and evil, to forget their differences and come together in peace to make common cause and find some workable compromise between the right's goal of ordered liberty and the left's libertine chaos, wickedness, and self destruction. Let right and left reason together and join hands as one. And if you need me, I'll be in the bunker. Trigger warning I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky dunky. Life is tickety-boo, birds are winging, also singing, hunky dunky ship-shaped, dipsy topsy the world is a-biddy-zing, it's a wonderful day, hoorah, hooray, it makes me want to sing, oh, hoorah, hooray, oh, hooray, hoorah. We are back, falling our way through the laughs of the Republic. Uh, We're sitting here, it's Friday morning. Uh, We're taping this and we're waiting for the Supreme Court's final decision to come down, the Dobbs decision on Roe v. Wade. Uh, We don't know for sure if it's coming down, but we know that uh, their cops are just an army of cops is outside the Supreme Court building. So obviously they're expecting something. Uh, Usually they release their last decisions, their decision on Tuesday and Thursday. uh, But this one they've held off. And I guess all bets are off. It's an important decision. Uh, And I'm not uh, somebody who... Uh, counts as chickens, uh, but uh, we will be talking about what Roe has meant uh, to the country uh, it, all these years that it has been in operation, and we will cover it if this decision comes down while I'm talking. Uh, also, I'm really thrilled to have, we have Stephen Hunter here. Uh, if you are not familiar with Stephen Hunter, uh, you probably are. If you've ever seen a Shooter with Mark Wahlberg, uh, he, that's based on his work. He writes the Bob Lee Swagger Sniper uh, novels, and those of you who think that the culture belongs only... Uh, to our friends on the other side, you should be reading Stephen Hunter, and he is uh, on top of being a best-selling novelist. Uh, he also knows more about guns uh, than some guns know. Uh, this is so. This is a great time to subscribe to the podcast uh, wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star review. It's incredibly helpful uh, for us. So subscribe to my individual YouTube channel, the Andrew Clavin YouTube channel, and we will send you uh, give you exclusive content there that's not on the show. Uh, if you press that little bell, uh, a building collapses. And uh, it's I don't know why that happens, but that's the way it works. Also, if you leave a comment um, and the comment is sufficiently cruel uh, and just obscene, we'll just include it in the show because it will fit right in with the rest of our content. Uh, Today's comment. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, Today's comment comes from uh, Jonathan Schmidt. Uh, who says, with all this transgender nonsense going on, I just want to say I really respect Clavin. Uh, it takes a lot of courage to come out as bald. Some say it's natural, but I know Clavin has such meticulous motor control of his body, uh, he chose it in solidarity to all the rest of us. Either that or the Clavenless weeks are start- starting to get to me. Um, actually, I think in keeping with transgenderism, I should come out uh, as <laughs> someone with hair. What do you mean I don't have hair? All right, I know you wanted to hear me rap the Good Rancher's ad, but I'm not gonna do it this time because I want to make sure you get it right. You need two things for July 4th, fireworks and meat, American meat. And this year you can celebrate an American holiday with 100% American meat. Good Ranchers is the place to get American beef, chicken, and seafood for your July 4th barbecue. My family eats Good Ranchers because they deliver 100% American meat right to the door for a great price. And once you subscribe, your price is locked in for good. That is a good deal right now. Plus, they're giving away two free ribeyes, $100 value, to my listeners through July 4th. Go to goodranchers.com slash Claven. Use my code CLAVEN to get two 18 ounce prime center cut ribeyes free with your order. But hurry, the clock is ticking on your free ribeyes, while other places will charge you over 50 bucks per steak for ribeyes like these. Good Ranchers is giving two of them away for free. USDA Prime, 100% American steakhouse quality cuts of beef. Go to goodranchers.com slash clavin and claim your ribeyes today before they run out. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I love American beef, but how do you spell clavin? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. So no matter what happens with Roe, and, and we don't yet know, or as I say, we're waiting, uh, I think we should begin at least with these inspiring uh, words from our president. This is Cut 27. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him uh, foot, foot. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's in a... That's what I want us to remember. It's a, still a nation. No matter what happens, it's still a nation that can be defined by... <laughs> So, so listen. I, you know, I, I'm actually kind of uh, a little bit wired right now. I got to admit it. Uh, God has heard a lot from me about the this decision, the Supreme Court decision. Uh, I have been praying about it, and you know, obviously, it's the left is, has tried to sell the idea that if they overturn Roe v. Wade, uh, nobody will be able to get an abortion, and uh, unfortunately, that's that's not true, and that's it's actually not what it is that I find so powerful about this. I know that bad things are going to happen uh, and abortions are going to happen um, and, and I haven't got the power, nobody has the power uh, except God to, to put an end to that. Um, but, but I think it's going to make a huge difference if Roe is overturned and all of it uh, for the good and uh, I think it's gonna be good for the left, as well as the right, not the far left, not the woke left, but they're a very small part of this country. You know, the, the woke people, I know that the people in Hollywood and the people in the news business, they think that it is, uh, that's the big part of the country, but that's nobody, that's like 10%, if 10%, under 10% of the country, uh, they, they will suffer from this. But I think that the rest of America is actually going to benefit from it. And that's, I will talk about that as we wait uh, to see if the decision is coming up. But first, before I get to that, I know that what you're, a lot of you are thinking is you're thinking, yes, yes, abortion, Roe v. Wade, and the Supreme Court, and all that stuff, but what's happening with the House January 6th investigation, right, because that's, you know, how can you even know, how can you even adjust your moral compass uh, until you know what Adam Schiff uh, thinks is right to do? Um, and so what I want to do is we can't really tell you all the news from the January 6th committee. I just want to give you a news montage that we put together with our friends at Grabian uh, of what the news thinks, what the press, the news media thinks is important for you to know about the January 6th uh, hearings, and this is not off the topic of Roe v. Wade. I'll get back to it. I'll I'll tie it in in a minute, but first I want you to hear what's happening with the January 6th uh, commission according to the news media. This cut number three. There's never been a bigger or more important story in American history than this. This is the most important story in the history of the Republic. These January 6th hearings are remarkable. They are riveting. The hearings last night, they were searing. They were vivid. It was compelling. It was chilling. The videos were chilling and it was, it, I think it's going to be historic.
1: This was a historic, compelling hearing. This is very compelling. Uh, Television because it's a very compelling
0: hearing and it's compelling. It's must-see TV
2: I've been texting with a number of sources I was texting people live during the hearing Um the words that I was hearing from them were stomach-turning riveting Compelling one senator told me that he had a lump in his throat as he was watching the video and hearing this testimony Stunning testimony from the house select committee investigating the January 6th assault a stunning round of testimony from the witnesses Of course what the committee was able to offer in terms of new materials that we had never seen before Four.
0: This is so much worse than something like Watergate. <laughs> so, so that's what the news, the news media is going to get a hernia lifting this story. But also we want to that's the news media with the news media feels. But also I want to bring you some inside information uh, because Chuck Todd had a political reporter, Betsy Swan, on. And this is what she said. This is cut four.
1: Does the January 6th hearing break through at all? Is this more proof it does not?
2: I don't think it does. I've talked to two separate Democratic members of Congress in the last couple of weeks about January 6th, obviously can't say who, and and both of them have said offhandedly, nobody gives a bleep about January 6th. <laughs>
0: That's what the, the Democrats themselves are saying behind the scenes. Nobody gives a bleep about January 6th. And this is how it ties in with abortion and, and Roe v. Wade. Um. Nobody gives a bleep about it, not because it wasn't an important thing. It matters that people stormed the Capitol. And I've said it was disgraceful. I I don't think it was the right thing to do. Uh, But obviously, by not allowing anyone else to speak except for the people who agree with Nancy Pelosi and the rest, uh, they have turned this, as Jenna Ellis, our friend Jenna Ellis, said, they've turned it into a campaign ad, a long campaign ad. And nobody cares because whether you're convinced, whether you're convinced the, uh, you know, absolutely convinced the election was stolen, uh, or or like me, you're not convinced. Uh, either way, it hasn't been proved in a court of law. That's just a fact. It has not been proved in a court of law, which is where Americans prove things, right? We can't overturn elections uh, just because we don't like them or because we're absolutely convinced you have to go into a court of law and prove it. So the actions of the January 6th people were, were violent. Actions taken against the law, right? And so they they have a they have a point. They they put the weapon into the Democrats' hands, but we know they weren't the only violent actions. We know the BLM riots killed so many people, dozens of people, uh destroyed billions in property, and the same little pieces of congressional crap <laughs> who, were, who were ranting about January 6th knelt in the rotunda and encouraged uh that kind of, of violence, and they encouraged it with their words as well as their actions. As we speak, as we speak, uh groups Calling themselves Jane's Revenge, are committing violence all over the country uh, against pro-life pregnancy centers, what are called crisis pregnancy centers. If you're pregnant and it's a, it's bad news for you, uh, you can go to these centers and they will help you through it. But they're they're burning them down, they're uh, vandalizing them, they're putting out threats. They're saying if if we're not safe, uh, um, if we're not safe, you know, you're not safe is part of the graffiti they write on it. Uh, Jane's Revenge uh, put out a message saying, for the allies of ours who doubt the authenticity of the communiques and actions, there is a way you can get irrefutable proof that these actions are real. Go do one of your own. Everyone with the urge to paint, to burn, to cut, to jam, now is the time. And they're saying if, in fact, the court does overturn Roe, uh, they want a night of rage, uh, which is reminiscent of the days of rage in the in the 60s. Uh, that's, that's what's happening in this country. And the reason it's happening has a lot to do with Roe v. Wade. We are so divided that political violence is in the air and is becoming acceptable—not not just to the left, though more to the left than to the right—but to the right as well. I mean, January sixth, you know, like what, what were they? Obviously, some of the people were, who went into the Capitol on January sixth were actual bad guys, actual ruffians. Uh, but a lot of the people just wandered in there, you know. Even even if the police opened the doors, you know, I don't know. I'd have had second thoughts before going in there. But this this—it's becoming normalized. And and the thing about this is, is that. The press can't see the the violence on the left, and they think it's all on the right. And this is part of the bubble, the, the bubble, it's an iron lung that they live in where they, can't, they think about this all through history. I, I, I watch shows a lot of times that take place in Weimar, Germany, which is the republic that fell and collapsed before Hitler came to power uh, in the 30s, right? And they always show you the same thing. They always show you the evil Nazi thugs uh, are committing acts of violence on the streets against the caring, decent socialists who are fighting back. And that's just not what happened. What happened was there was a revolution in Russia, a violent uh, communist revolution in Russia that that included the czar and his children being brutally murdered, right? So the violence and the protests and the revolutionary uh, actions that were being taken by socialists were terrifying to the people in charge and to the country as a whole, right? They thought, oh, this is going to come here. They were afraid that this was going to come here. And that gave the Nazis credibility that they shouldn't have had, right? These evil people were given credibility. These evil, violent Nazis were given credibility by the evil, violent communists on the left. And and wherever whoever won, whether it was the communists in Russia or the, the Nazis in Germany, the, the results were bad, right? These were bad people. These were violent people. They weren't just violent coming to power. They were violent once they got power and the murders went on and on and on. And so what's happening now is, is, is happening on both sides, but it's the left and their willingness to engage in violence, the, the fact that Nancy Pelosi is willing to say there should be riots in the streets, which she did say, right, from the left. The fact that she's willing to say that gives credence to the right-wing thugs, the far-right thugs, who commit acts of violence. And that's why you have a hearing on January 6th. You think, well, wait a minute. You are the violent. You're the thugs. You're the thugs investigating these other punks, you know? And, so, and that violence, that idea that we can no longer uh, talk together, that we can no longer reason together, that we can no longer trust our leaders, Uh, to reason together and make compromises where everybody goes away a little dissatisfied but also seeing the good side of it. That faith that we have lost is the cause of this, and so much of that, so much of that goes back to Roe v. Wade, and I will explain how in just a minute. So as you know, I stay awake all night, so I can't tell you what it's like to sleep on a Helix Sleep mattress, but I can tell you it's incredibly comfortable if you're lying awake all night. They have a quiz. Helix Sleep has a quiz. takes just two minutes to complete, matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for someone else? With Helix, you're getting a mattress that you know will be perfect for the way you sleep, or in my case, stay awake. Everybody's unique, and Helix knows that, so they have several different mattress models to choose from. Soft, medium, firm mattresses. Mattress is great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Mattress is great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains, and even a Helix Plus mattress for plus-size sleepers. So if you're looking for a mattress, you take the quiz, you order the mattress that you've matched to, and the mattress comes right to your door for free. You don't ever need to go to a mattress store again. Go to helixsleep.com slash Take the two-minute sleep quiz. They will match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Ten-year warranty. You'll get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. For a limited time, Helix is offering up to three hundred and fifty dollars off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. This is their best offer yet, so hurry over to HelixSleep.com/slash Clavin. As you lie awake at night, you can ask yourself, "How do you spell Claven? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. No ease in Clavin. I just make it look this easy. All right. Uh, it, it happened. While well, we broke from one uh, section to another section of the program, the Supreme Court has delivered it, and Roe v. Wade has been overturned, which is amazing. Uh, and, a, uh, <clears throat> and among other things, a uh, a slap in the face of despair and the despairing, the people who say things can't be done, and also, in the face of the people who said there was no difference between uh, Donald Trump and uh, Hillary Clinton, the the never trumpers, I think, uh, who many of whom were driven insane uh, by Trump and by the fact that a a bad man, a man who had many, many flaws, made a bad was making a good president. Uh, I think this is really decisive, a decisive moment. Uh, the Constitution, I, I obviously i am not going to have time to read the decision. It looks like it's pretty much the Alito decision we saw before, which I did read in, in its entirety. Uh, it says the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Roe and Casey are overruled. And the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people. And their elected representatives. Sorry. Uh, it's important, you know, because uh, when they decided Oberg fell, a uh, terrible decision Though I have nothing against uh, gay marriage, really, personally, uh, but when they decided that, uh, Scalia had this wonderful uh, dissent where he said, the substance of today's decree is not of immense personal importance to me, and this is remembered, a devout Catholic was saying this, he said, it's not uh, important to me what... the substance of gay marriage, he said, the law can recognize as marriage, uh, whatever sexual attachments and living arrangements it wishes and can accord them favorable civil consequences from tax treatment uh, to rights of inheritance. The law has the right to permit gay people to marry. He said, those civil consequences and the public approval that conferring the name of marriage evidences can perhaps have adverse social effects, but no more adverse than the effects of many other controversial laws. It's not of special importance to me what the law says about marriage. It is of overwhelming importance, however, who it is that rules me. Today's decree says that my ruler and the ruler of 320 million Americans, coast to coast, is a majority of the nine lawyers of the Supreme Court. And this is the problem with Roe v. Wade. I mean, obviously, it's the dead babies, as Norm MacDonald might have said. It's killing the babies. But also, the problem with it as law is that it was an act of domineering domination of the court. There is no right to... Uh, abortion in the Constitution. That's simply the way it is. And here's, here's the thing. A lot of right-wingers, when I was saying that it caused violence, it stripped us of our rights. It didn't confer on us a right. It stripped us of our right. The people were liberalizing abortion laws in many of the states. They were arguing, they were debating, they were doing what Americans do, just like they were with gay marriage. They were coming to, a, to a, an agreement at, you know, where people were would be disgruntled, but they would know As as Scalia says in his dissent on Obergefell, they knew that if they lost in the elections, they could win next time. That's the living republic. That's the living republic. That's the republic that can't justify violence. That's a republic where you can't justify violence because you know you are responsible to the laws of your fellow citizens and those laws can be changed and you can convince your fellow citizens through arguments. The violence that has come, the division between us, the fact that these, these people who say, oh, you know, I believe in this and if you don't believe it, you're hateful. The fact that they now rule uh, the uh, the elites, that they are the elite voices, arises from Roe v. Wade, the fact that you cannot defend this. And when I say you can't defend it, you know, a lot of right-wingers get upset about the previous um, the, the previous decision that conferred the right to privacy on people. And it's a funny decision, well, it was Griswold, it was called. Uh, and this was 1965, and it allowed a married couple, it said you can't stop a married couple from getting birth control because that's part of their right to privacy. And the right to privacy is... Uh, in the penumbras cast by the emanations <laughs> of the law, and everybody laughed at that on the right, but I thought, no, you know, that's actually really true. Uh, there are rights in the uh, c- that we have that are not enumerated in the Constitution, and it says that in the Constitution. Uh, the Ninth Amendment is the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage Others retained by the people. So, in other words, just because the right isn't mentioned in the Constitution doesn't mean it's not there. Now, guys like Scalia didn't like the, the Ninth Amendment because he said, "Well, how are we supposed to interpret that?" But I think you can interpret some of them. For instance, I think there's a right to travel on honest business between state and state. I don't think that Oregon should be a lot, you know, can say you can't come here because you're from New York and we don't like New Yorkers. I, I don't think that that's the way it works. So there was a right to privacy, but how does the right to privacy? eliminate the right to life of a living baby? That's something, a profound, deep question. You know, obviously I'm very strongly on one side of that question, But I can see, I can see how a person of goodwill can make the other argument. And I would sit down with that person and have that argument. I have been that person. I have been that person. So I know I changed my mind because I lost the argument with a friend. I I did. You know, we argued till two in the morning and I went to bed and I thought, "I, I just lost that argument about abortion. And it took me 20 years to accept it. That's how hard it was for me to change my mind on something that I knew was so important to the people in my social set. So I have, you know, I have sympathy with that. I have no sympathy when you take that incredible deep question of when life begins, when a life has the right, when a person has the right to life, and you by fiat strip me of my right to make laws about that. That's why, for instance, religious people uh, swept into politics with Reagan. That's why they became, they had really kind of sat it out thinking, well, you know, The world is the world and you're gonna all do what you do and go to hell, but we're gonna live our life. But then suddenly they thought, no, you can't make a law in your state forbidding abortion, even though the vast majority of people believe in that. It's the difference between a negative right and a positive right, right? I mean, to say what most of the Bill of Rights is what the government can't infringe upon, right? You can't infringe upon your right to uh, carry guns, you can't infringe upon your right to free speech. But it, but it's kind of like it's, it's put negatively. When you say you have the right to an abortion, you have stripped some. You've stripped everybody else of their rights. You've stripped everybody else of their rights to say this. Of this very profound metaphysical question: Is this baby a human being? Right. That's a profound metaphysical question. And what you're saying is, we'll decide that for you. Well, you know, you don't have to discuss that. You're fe- this is not a free country. That, that free country thing. That's you know, that's on the advertisements. But then you get here, and you know, no, forget it. You know, that's how this violence uh, came about. That's how we got into this violence. Uh, into this period of violence, this period of, of division. You know, I've been around now for am uh, I 130 years old, I believe, and and I remember in America. I remember in America where it was um, a, a source of pride to Americans that we could disagree intensely and be friends. It was a source of. Great, uh, you know, a, a sort of great justification in our lives that we could sit and have a beer and and scream at the top of our lungs at one another. Uh, and and in fact, the, you know, the guy I had this argument about abortion, and it was a, a wild yelling, you know, late night argument. He's the, old, the oldest friend I have, and I and I love the guy still. And and I think that like that was something that we cherished about America. It was taken away for from us with Roe v. Wade. There is simply no right to. Eliminate the humanity of a baby in the Constitution, and you know you see this. It's so funny. You see this, if, if I can, if I'm using the word funny properly. You see this uh, on Twitter because of the gun ruling that just came out. A gun, the gun ruling. Um, the Supreme Court said, you know. The right to bear arms is not a secondary right. And New York had this, I think it was over 100 years old law that said you could get a concealed carry if you could prove to the government that you had a special right to self-defense, right? And the court said, well, no, no, you don't have to prove to the government that you have a right to free speech. You have that right. And gun rights are exactly the same. I mean, there are certain things that you just, certain rights that you just have. And so a lot of people were on Twitter saying, oh, well, you know, we have a right to carry guns, but we don't have a right to carry an abortion. How how does the world turn so upside down? But it's in the Constitution, which is the law of the land, you know, and I think that the, the left is going nuts. The left is going nuts for a very, very simple reason. I I I'm gonna show you a video um, that it's a another one of these montage videos. And it's something that's being discussed in um in in the media, which is are they being too fair? to Republicans. I swear this is true. They're actually having these discussions. Uh, I I couldn't include the whole thing because it's just too long. But Brian Stelter's on there. Lester Holt is in there. And uh, here's, let's just play a little bit. It's cut 26.
1: If one party, the dominant wing, the Trump wing of one party, is actually trying to overthrow American democracy, you as a newspaper have to be against that. You can't be neutral on that. You can't present both sides on that.
0: We cannot have a false sense of equivalency about what is happening when it comes to politics in our country. There's one party right now that's not operating in fact, that has been m- misleading the American people. And that is the Republican Party, sadly, of which I used to be a member of the Republican Party. Cannot pretend as journalists that it is equal? It is not. Democrats are doing their Democrat thing, and they're being, you know, liberal, and they want all these things. But that's the way normal politics operates, and we can deal with those things.
2: There are far too many in our profession who are really normalizing what's happening right now in an attempt to be,
1: or appear objective, uh, in an attempt to say, well, we're going to treat both political parties equally, when we clearly have, in this moment, one political party uh, that is passing anti-democratic policies, uh, that is upholding people with authoritarianism ideas.
0: So, so that's how they, when I call the, they say it's a bubble and I say it's an iron lung, you know, Lester Holt goes on and he says, we have to be fair to the, the truth. But, (laughs) <laughs> the idea that the people who reported on Russian collusion and Hunter Biden was Russian disinformation and the Wuhan flu didn't come from Wuhan, those people don't know what the truth is. The best they can do is gather the facts. And so their argument is is untrue on the face of it, right? Because half of this country is Republican about, you know, obviously they're not registered Republican. Let's say half of this country is to the right of center and half of this country is to the left of center. And a very small sliver agrees with Don Lemon. A very small sliver is is what he represents of those woke, crazy people who even in the the places where I go, where people are really far left, people are saying under their breath, I don't don't agree with this. I don't agree that a a man can become a woman. I I don't agree with that stuff. These are far left people, but they still don't agree with this woke stuff. That is the bubble that they're in. So it's just, it's false reasoning. And because they are so closed off, because they are so closed off, they they don't understand they don't under, you know they don't understand that this this is what the country believes the country believes in its laws it believes it can it can make laws themselves without the help of the supreme court like slamming down on them uh, declaring things that aren't true you know certain people just make my life so much easier and none of them work here. <laughs> the reason is because we didn't use ZipRecruiter. If you own a growing business and need to hire, ZipRecruiter makes hiring so much easier because they do the work for you. And right now, you can try it for free at ziprecruitercom Claven. ZipRecruiter uses its powerful technology to find and match the right candidates with your job. You can easily review these recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply. And ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy to filter, review, and rate your candidates. When you watch my show, you have to be thinking, please, please use ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employees who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. No wonder ZipRecruiter is the number one rated hiring site based on G2 satisfaction ratings. As of January 1st, 2022. In fact, the hardest thing you have to do is to remember the special URL, ziprecruiter.com slash Claven. That's where you go to try ZipRecruiter for free. Once again, that's ziprecruiter.com slash Claven. But yes, you say, how do you spell Claven? Well, you could hire someone to tell you it's K L A V A N. There are no E's in Claven. ZipRecruiter, it's the smartest way to hire. The effects of Roe v. Wade have just been catastrophic. They've been catastrophic. Uh, to what they've done to the culture of this country. Uh, let me, I'll I read you something that it, that's kind of hilarious, but it, it really does relate uh, to, to Roe v. Wade. And it, it'll get me, I, I know I was uh, a little overcome there for a minute, for which I apologize, but this meant a lot to me. Uh, I think it probably meant a lot to a lot of you. Hilarious story in the New York Post. Um, I was l- <laughs> I, I was loveless. This is serious. It is serious, but it's just a hilarious story. I was loveless before I married a rag doll, and now we have a baby. this a story from. Uh, it, it's not from. It's not from America, but it's just. It's just so hilarious. It's uh, a woman named Marivone Roca mores. Uh, complained to her mother about being single and stressed about not having a dance party. So to cheer her up, her mother made her a life-size ragdoll, ragdoll named Marcello. Uh, and she said, when I first uh, met Marcello and I was introduced to him, I fell in love with him. It was love at first sight uh, because I didn't have a partner to dance with. I would go to these dances but wouldn't find a partner. Then he entered my life and everything. <laughs> Makes sense. And uh she says he isn't he's the man I always wanted in my life as a ragdoll. And now they've gotten pregnant. She has a baby ragdoll. The picture is in the paper of her with a ba- baby ragdoll. It's funny, but it's sad. But I wanna <laughs> I want to compare it to this article in the Washington Post that was supposed to be an anti uh an anti Getting rid of abortion, whatever you want to say, a pro-abortion article, right? And it's about this this young girl, eighteen years old, and she was in Texas, and she she wanted an abortion, but she found out about the law after she found out uh, after she found out she was pregnant. The Texas abortion ban went into effect. That's what they call it. An abortion ban It's not an abortion ban. It just cuts uh, abortion back uh, to very early on. And so it begins with what's supposed to be this tragic scene. She had twins, and she's that's the headline. The Texas teen wanted an abortion. She now has twins, and, and here's the description. This is the opening, and this is supposed to be a tragic description, like a guy in hunger. You know, he's trying scramb- scrounging for food or something like that. You know, the way you read a feature story, and it says, running on four hours of sleep, the eighteen year old tried to feed both babies at once holding Kendall in her arms while she tried to get Olivia to feed herself, her bottle propped up by a pillow. But the bottle kept slipping, and the baby kept wailing, and Brooke's boyfriend, Billy, wouldn't be home for another five hours. Please, fussy girl, Brooke whispered. I mean, is there a mom on earth who hasn't been through this? And she goes through, and it's it's just like, it's all so tragic. She has these two children, and then she ends up ma- marrying the father, and— Their tragic ending is, if it wasn't for the Texas law, Brooke knew she might not be standing there getting married. She'd probably be studying for her next exam uh, while Billy mastered some new trick on the quarter pipe. I guess that's a skateboard. She liked to think they'd still be together spending their money on movie tickets and what a burger instead of diapers and baby wipes. She told herself that alternate life didn't matter anymore. She had two babies she loved more than anything else in the world. That's That's the last line of the story. That's the end of the story because they can't tell the difference between a baby and a ragdoll. They're the same as that woman with her ragdoll baby. You know, when I said, I think it was last week, when I said Roe v. Wade decreed, decreed that we are matter, decreed that we have no spiritual existence, decreed, you know, they they would make fun of religious people when they would say, well, you know, the body isn't sold, you know. But... Truly, truly, is there no difference between two cells that are separate from one another and two cells that become a unit and a new thing? Isn't that what life is? Isn't life, all our, you know, when, when I die, and I, I know that's never going to happen, but when, when I die, your cells go off on their own, right? But now they make me. Is, that no, is there no difference between that? Is there no metaphysical difference? According to Roe v. Wade, there was not. According to Roe v. Wade, including included in the right to privacy, it was the absolute right to eliminate the inner life, the life of another person. And when you think where the violence comes from in our society, when you think why it doesn't matter to people, where people shoot each other with such heartlessness or, or wish each other dead on Twitter uh, or, or just take, uh, commit violence in the streets when they don't get their way, think about that. Think about the fact that your right to privacy, according to Roe v. Wade, included your right, to erase the life of another person, and and again, I'm willing to sit and argue with people of goodwill, and that's what's going to happen now, and that's my hope for the country. That's what. That's why I, I find this. Look, this may devolve into civil war before I get out of here. I may I may not be able to to make it home. That's the bad version, and and bad things can always happen, but good things can happen too, as this decision proves. And 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 I've said this before, but it's worth repeating. The civil war, the the act of holding slaves soiled the idea of federalism states rights because they were using states rights for an evil purpose but this this soiled the idea of federal control because they were using federal control for an evil purpose the purpose of eliminating the right to life of a of an infant and and now i think we will become more federalist in this moment. We are going to have to, unless unless we're gonna tear each other apart with violence, unless we're going to accede to these 10% people of, of, of the wokes and maybe 5% on the right who are, are fascists, unless we're gonna give up our country to, the, to those guys, we're gonna to have to come together and start arguing with each other. And who knows? You know, I may hear arguments where I say, yeah, I don't like abortion, but maybe it should be legal here or there. Who knows? Who knows? We are gonna to have to have open minds. We're gonna to have to sit down and have beers with the people we don't like again again. And that, I think, is going to create a federalism of, of, of culture. I think people are going to go to the states that rem- that retain a culture that they recognize. And the less the federal government has control over Arkansas, the more Arkansas will be Arkansas and the more New York will be New York. And we know those are going to be different places. Uh, If you want to raise your children without having to tell them, uh, as a a parent was complaining to me the other day, if you want to raise your children without having to tell them that the rainbow uh, represents homosexuality instead of God's promise not to destroy the world again, uh, you know, you'll have to move to that state and live in that Place. And I think that that's a, a better country. That's the way the country was conceived of. That's the the reason we have guns was to defend that country, to defend the states in their rights. And I think that that could happen again. And it would make the you know what's sometimes called the the Benedict uh, option, where we all live in our little corners, is not what we want. What we want is federalism. We want a patchwork of states with different cultures, different lives, different laws, all held together by our right to freedom. This decision makes that possible. Will it happen? <laughs> I, you know, we don't know the future, but it could happen, it could happen. And and again, I wanna say that that is a, a blow to all all those people, and we know this is prevalent on the right, all those people who say, it's done, it's over, you can't win, it's done, the left owns everything, they control everything, the news media said this, and I heard this on CNN, and I heard this there, and it's, ne- it's never gonna change. You know, it does. And sometimes it takes something radical, sometimes it, it's a bolt from the blue, like Donald Trump. You know, it, do- it doesn't look like you think it's going to look. The future never looks like uh, you think it's going to look. Uh, this is a good day. This is a good day. And we have to hope good things come from it. And I think that's a real, real possibility. Hey, you know, the Daily Wire's own uh, correspondent, Mary Margaret Olihan, is out in front of the Supreme Court, which is only a, a little ways away from where I am. Uh, Mary Margaret, how y- how you doing? Is that- how is it there?
2: It's crazy. The pro-life activists are all celebrating the pro-abortion activists activists are freaking out. They're saying that the court is wrong, that they want to overturn the decision somehow. They're saying that it's illegitimate. There's peace out here all around. We've got police on bikes. Um, you'll see behind me, there's other officers. The crowd is growing, and we've heard that tonight at 8 p.m., there's going to be a night of rage in protesting.
0: That, that doesn't sound, uh, that's not a good name for a night. Uh, that's I, I was told that there were buses uh, heading to the scene. D- have you seen any or uh, have you heard that too?
2: I haven't seen any buses, but I've been up here by the court and it's kind of hard to get up here. It's all blocked off. If you'll notice around me, there's, there's police cars um, and the roads are all blocked off. So buses can't get up here, but I have seen the crowd growing and there's a lot of young people showing up. A lot of DC residents are starting to show up. Um, and we know that D.C. is a very pro-abortion city. So it's likely that we'll see a lot of pro-abortion activists.
0: Mm. So, you know, I was th- I was just there uh, on Sunday, I think it was. And the Capitol is right across the street, right? I mean, it's not the two buildings are very close to one another. Are there people up at the Capitol as well?
2: Um, I haven't been over to the Capitol, but I can see it from where I'm standing. Um, the big focus is on the Supreme Court right now. It was it was crazy, Andrew, when we got the decision. All of a sudden it was quiet for a minute. And then all the pro-lifers started cheering. And sure enough, all of a sudden, on SCOTUS blog, it's all rolling in, row overturned, row overturned. And everybody started cheering. The pro-abortion activists started yelling. And then there was this kind of eerie silence for a minute where everyone kind of paused as if, like, okay, now what? And then the pro-abortion activists started chanting. But what's funny is I heard them playing Another One Bites the Dust. I'm pretty sure that was the pro-lifers playing that. (laughs) Um, That just came on the loudspeaker. So, (laughs) Well, it's wild well, over here.
0: Well, thank you very much for calling in. Stay safe. Uh, you know, stay close to those cops. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I hope it, uh, I hope it remains peaceful. Thanks. So finally, I made vacation plans. I'm so happy. I told the Daily Wire all emails that begin "I know you're on vacation," but will not be read. I stop the minute I see that. I actually turn off everything. But. But not the Ring Alarm system, because you've got to have an alarm system to protect your house while you're away. And you know that Ring makes the wonderful doorbells that let you talk to anyone who comes to the door no matter where you are. But Ring Alarm is also an award-winning home security system with available professional monitoring when you subscribe. You can easily install it yourself. Ring didn't stop there. They changed the home security game with Ring Alarm Pro. Ring Alarm Pro is a next level security system. CNET calls Ring Alarm Pro a giant leap for home security, with a Ring Protect Pro subscription, it's an amazing deal. You get professional monitoring for the ultimate peace of mind. If anything happens, professional monitoring will call and can request emergency services. You may not know it, but it's true. Ring has an award-winning alarm. And this busy summer season, to protect your home, you should go pro with Ring Alarm Pro. To learn more, go to ring.com forward slash That's ring.com forward slash Claven. Ask anyone who comes to your door on your app, on your Ring app, say, do you know how to spell Clavin? If he says yes, you set off the alarm. There are no so this is a really been a good week. These decisions have been terrific. The gun decision I mentioned before in... Um, uh before in New York where you they you know it's it's a really interesting decision because it it says you know you're still allowed to have safety regulations. You just don't have to prove to the government that you have some spe- that you have some special need. Uh, and and like the governor is complaining about this, but the governor is surrounded by eight people with guns. I mean, literally eight. I was counting on the eight people with guns surrounding the governor while she's telling you you don't have the right to defend yourself, especially in New York. And this was the funny thing in the dissent in the dissent against this gun decision. Uh, the liberal justices were saying, "Do they are they crazy? Think of the crime out there." And Alito said, "Yeah, that's the reason they want to carry." Guns in New York to defend themselves. Uh, it, it, it is just fascinating this thing with guns. You know, uh, in in New York, especially, it's so crazy. In 1990, I'm reading from a, an article in City Journal, which has covered New York so brilliantly all these years. Uh, this is David Dinkins' first year in office. There were. 2,245 murders in New York, okay? 2,245 murders in in a year. Uh, And then after 20 years of of stop and frisk and other, you know, um, um, zero tolerance policies, uh, the number of murders had fallen to 417. That's a decline of 81%. And you know that many, many of those people were uh, minorities. Many of the people being killed were minorities. So Bratton and Giuliani and Kelly, who followed, uh, they, re- and Bloomberg too, who kept those policies in place, they were saving these black lives, which we're told matter so much. And of course they do matter. They're our fellow citizens. <laughs> and they actually, they they matter as much as everybody else's life. And he was saving uh those lives. And then, by hook or by crook, The New York Times and the left, uh, and one kind of I don't call her corrupt, but she was she she really diddled around with the decision uh, to make sure that she got control of the decision. Um, they got rid of stop and frisk, and they, and it really should be called stop, question, and frisk. And the whole idea was that minorities were more likely to be frisked. But of course, as Heather McDonald is always pointing out, it, it's minorities uh, who were committing the gun crimes. And if you've ever stopped stop with a cop, uh, here's like uh, Heather McDonald, also in City Journal. Um, saying blacks committed nearly 70% of all robberies, whites by contrast committed 5% of all violent crimes in the first half of 2009, uh, though they are 35% of the city's population. And, and look, that's not, it's not a, a racial thing, it's not happening because people have one color skin over another, but it is, there is a, a history in this country and it has created certain situations and people are in those situations. Um, living in those situations. And that this is the truth. And the cop is the last guy. I'm always saying this. The cop is the last guy. That's why politicians love blaming cops. They create the policies that ruin people's lives. People then commit crimes because they don't have fathers in their homes and they're living in, in intolerable conditions or bad conditions. And then they blame the cop for stopping them, you know, for being, for being rough about it. But the cop is the last guy. Poor guy is sitting there catching the crap that the politicians throw down. And as I've said before, if you gave a cop uh, an app on his phone that showed criminal intent he wouldn't be looking at the color of people's skins he'd be looking at the app on his phone he's not a racist he's just trying to keep the peace because he knows that the people being hurt are also minority people you know that's that is the the real truth of it uh so there was that and there was this religious school decision which is just a, a very important and part of a trend uh, i feel religious decisions uh we were uh, talking about this last week too the religious decisions have just been a, a mess and this is a case in Maine, uh, which is uh, the most rural state in the country, where they will give you money to subsidize your education if there's no public school. But they said, but you can't use it to go to a religious school. And the court said, well, no, you know, you can't penalize religion. You can't, you can't, uh, the government can't establish a religion or declare that there's an established religion, which personally, by the way, I think would be fine in the States. That doesn't bother me at at all. But, but uh, this is the way the the Constitution now reads, so, so, but you can't penalize uh, a school for being religious if you're saying we're going to give money to people. Uh, and and as I believe John Roberts said in this case, you know, you, there are other ways to deal with this. You could build more schools, or you could supply transportation, or have boarding schools, or whatever you want to do. But what Maine can't do, he said, uh, is subsidize private schools while excluding the religious schools, and, and the reason this is so important, and the reason it's so important about this bubble that the left is in, and this bubble that really does uh, condone the violence on the left, is blind to the violence on the left, which is, I think, much of the violence in this country, but sees the violence on the right, which is also bad. Remember, I'm not supporting the violence on the right, I'm just saying that, it, that it's it's one thing, it's one organic uh, creature, this violent, this political violence that is rising up in front of us, and that you know is fearsome because it can lead to civil war, and we do not want want that. Even if you think we do, we don't want it. Um, it. But one of the things about this bubble is, is they really think that religion is bad. You know, they think religion is bad. All they think about is religion is, oh, you won't let me be gay. You know, <laughs> that's, what, that's what they think religion is. And And yet, and yet through all of history, and even unto this very day, the wisest people, the wisest people, the smartest people, the people with the highest IQ uh, have believed in God. Uh, and they're always quoting scientists, but what do scientists know about it? They don't know anything more than you and I do. I mean, it's like, it is the people uh, who really think, who really read, who really reflect on the heavens and the earth who, who believe. And, and that that number is falling. Um, the latest Gallup poll, a vast majority of U.S. adults believe in God, but the 81% who do is down six percentage points from 2017 and is the lowest in, in Gallup's trend. Between 1944 and 2011, more than 90% of Americans believed in God. So people are losing that belief, and they're losing it because of these uh, bubbleish guys in their newsrooms and in their classrooms uh, and in uh, Hollywood who keep saying this. it makes no sense. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, it's, it's not science. It's it's from the past. But in fact, what's from the past is atheism. The idea that we live in a mechanistic universe which grows out of Newton's discoveries uh, is way, way past. It's it's past its sell-by date. Uh, And so uh, that that bubble, again, that bubble of communication dominance that the left has created uh, creates these illusions, and the Supreme Court is now seeing through these illusions. And there's going to be, I know there's going to be protests, and, uh, you know, I pray that no one is hurt. Uh, There's going to be protests about these decisions, and there's going to be a lot of, I, I I loved uh, Keith Olbermann. He, he was the best. Uh, he he had a tweet where he says, it, is, it has become necessary to dissolve the Supreme Court of the United States. The first step is for to, is for a state. Uh, the court has now forced guns upon to ignore this ruling. Great, you're a court, Hawaiian, how do you think you can enforce your rulings? Hashtag ignore the court. So like a lot of people on the left, Keith Olbermann thinks our democracy is under threat. If our democracy is working uh, and that things are in crisis, if things go exactly as they're supposed to go, to go, if the court makes decisions, he's now going to become lawless. I have to say, Keith Olbermann. I keep Keith Olbermann's brain in a pillbox in my medicine chest in case he ever wants to use it, but so far he's never called. Um, but, but, you know. It's typical of the left. It's typical of the left because of this bubble they've created for themselves, which they thought was going to enclose us. But in fact, it has trapped them in a world of their own opinions and a world of their own illusions. And that world, too, is contributing to the violence. And that's why I'm, I'm hoping, I'm truly hoping that when people see what these decisions mean, that they mean more freedom and more uh, local government and more ability to argue with and compromise with and confront uh, the people you disagree with, uh, that they will see this is good for the left, too this is it is a good a Federalist world is a good world for all of us a free world is a good world for all of us and this week I feel we took some giant steps in that direction. So when you heard me talking about my helix mattress and how much I liked it, you were probably thinking gee I wish they made sofas. Well guess what they do they just launched a new company it's called all form and they make terrific sofas. What makes an all-form sofa really cool is that for starters, it's the easiest way you can customize a sofa using premium materials and at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. Pick your fabric, the sofa color, the color of the legs, sofa size, and shape to make sure it's perfect for you and your home. they have got armchairs and love seats all the way up to an eight-seat sectional, so there's something for everyone. You can always start small and buy more seats later if you want your all-form sofa to grow and change with you when you move. All-form sofas are also delivered directly to your home with fast, free shipping. In the past, if you wanted to order a sofa, it could take weeks or even months to arrive, and you would need someone to come and assemble it in your home. All-form takes just three to seven days to come in the mail, and you can assemble it yourself. In a few minutes, no tools needed. To find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash And Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners at allform.com slash By the way, if you sit on this and you put your feet up, you'll probably want to say, how do you spell Claven? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no easy things. So, a lot of people advertise nowadays that they, yes, especially conservatives, that they're going to bring out a movie or a novel that's uh, not woke. And I always think that's that's not enough, you know. I mean, <laughs> if you're complaining that you can't find anything to read, uh, one of the reasons may be you're not reading Stephen Hunter. And uh, he's, Stephen is a best-selling author of the Bob Lee Swagger novels. Bob Lee uh, Swagger is a sniper. His new book is Targeted. This is my signed copy, because that's how cool I am, Uh, but I'm just going to read you a bit of the flap copy, uh, and when I finish reading you this flap copy, you will order this book, Uh, I guarantee it. Uh, After pulling off the best shot of his career and thwarting a dangerous terrorist, uh, Bob Lee Swagger learns that no good deed goes unpunished. Uh, though his takedown of the would-be assassin nearly cost him his life. The U.S. Congress has summoned him to court. A hard-headed anti-gun congresswoman has accused Swagger of wanton endangerment uh, determined to make an example of him. He goes before a hostile House Judiciary Committee, but there is an attack, and it says soon the very people who had deemed Bob a criminal are depending on him to save their lives. If you don't love these books, I love them. I I read them all the time. Uh, I'm so happy to have him here to talk about guns, which he knows more about than, I think, uh, just about anybody. Uh, Steve, welcome. It's great to see you.
1: Thank you, Drew. It's very, it's so much fun being here.
0: I have to ask you because I read you a couple of times. I have read your books, and my jaw drops at the stuff you uh, put put in there. Do you catch any flack uh, from your publishers about it?
1: Um, if so, it's not directly reported to me. That book, for example, I went through two publishers, and oh. the reason for the uh, disconnection with the first publisher was never made explicit. It had to do with their interpretation of my misinterpretation of a contract. And I mean, you know from your own experience how preposterous all this gets when, when lawyers get involved. And at a certain point, the amount of detail just crushed me to the ground. And I said to my agent who for once answered my phone calls, Happened to get her on a good day. She, <laughs> she said, I said, Esther, get me the hell out of this. And she placed it elsewhere quickly. Uh, she earned. You know, I don't care about the unanswered phone calls and the unreturned emails. She earned her money that day. So,
0: <laughs> again, the book is called Targeted. Uh, really, you got to read this stuff. It's, uh, and you, you did Mark Wahlberg's uh, film Shooter was based on one of he, that was a Bob Lee swing. Yeah, that was yeah. why
1: I had about three weeks of fame in two thousand seven when uh, when that movie came out, and that was until it was adjudged to flop. And then I was erased so fast, <laughs> I just disappeared.
0: So when you see the way guns are reported on in the press, what, what do you think? I mean, what, do you think like they, it's, it's just bias or is it ignorance or what, what do you think when you read combination
1: you of bias and ignorance plus the fact that there is no more conformistic uh culture than journalism i was a working journalist for 38 years i understood uh pretty early on you just you got with the program or you didn't get ahead and it was never expressed it was never used as a brutal uh as a as a brutality you were it was just sort of a part of the weather part of the ecosystem of of the newspaper now i will say I had very good luck at the Washington Post, the old Washington Post, Donnie Graham's Washington Post. They were real good to me. They paid me way too much money to go to movies in the afternoon by myself. I mean, I would have done it anyway, but I'm getting money for it. And uh, at at one point uh, I got busted for contributing some money to the wrong side of the spectrum. And I was brought up uh, and told not to do it again. Wow. But as I was walking out, the guy, I won't embarrass him by mentioning him. Uh, he's a wonderful man, even if he's about as far politically from me as you can imagine. He said to me, Steve, we're so glad to have you here. You give the rest of us cover. So <laughs> I guess that was my job. <laughs>
0: So I mean, but but your expertise about guns in these novels is is so complete, so thorough. Do you hear? Is there anybody in the press, in the main press, the mainline press, uh, where you think like, yeah, this guy knows what a gun is and what a gun does?
1: Hey, there's one guy, AK Shivers, at the New York Times, who was a company huh. commander in Afghanistan, and wrote a biography, uh, if you will, of the AK-47, called The Gun. And uh, he's, a, uh, as far as I can tell, he's a solid guy. I, I don't know if he's still at the Times. I don't see his byline there. It's not that I'm a religious reader of the New York Times, but I do scan it every day. And I haven't seen his byline in a couple of years. So maybe he took his act. Maybe he's off trying to write novels. Uh, I, I don't know what happened to him. Uh, yeah. uh, but he was one that I would say knew what he was talking about. So many of them... Their ideas on guns are derived from television and television ideas of guns are derived from movies, and movie ideas from guns are design, are derived from the vapors. So you have no sense you have no sense of reality. I, let, let me just make this one point real quickly. I, as you say, they made a movie of my book, uh, Point of Impact called Shooter and that although it was a technically a flop in the theaters it's uh, it's acquired an internet life or a uh, a cable life that's extraordinary and it's shown you know every two or three months and it's done very 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 well uh, on cable and on netflix etc the reason for that is because in the making of that movie they took the guys the cast to a a firearms training facility, and they trained them for a week. And that's A, and B, they had an actual Marine sniper on, uh, on set who was advising them. And one thing about that movie that no critic got was that the gun handling was professional. And mm-hmm. even if you don't know anything about guns, you are aware that you're seeing something different. It's just not the same generic running through blizzards of gunfire untouched, you know, and they're not always, you know, in every movie with guns in it, the guys click their, you know, their pumps or their slides or their cylinders. And it's just like a click because the directors love the drama. And it, it, if you know guns, that becomes preposterous. It just becomes ludicrous and it is it's an immediate signal that these people don't know what they're doing and thus you can't rely on them for any information at all so um mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's just there's so much misinformation out there and one of the so things sad. i try to do as a novelist was bring some reality to the uh to the to, to the field that looked at those kinds of incidents and dramatize sure. Presidents.
0: So speaking of people we can't trust, the, the one group of people in the country that I might uh, f- refuse to allow to, to let them have guns uh, are Republican politicians because they keep shooting themselves in the foot. They're uh, they... <laughs> <13 laughs> them. Hey guys, how about a nice game of Russian roulette? <laughs> I mean, I mean, here they are. They they're looking at a midterm where they could win like every election in the country. And they go out and they make put this gun they call it a gun safety bill. Now, it's not as bad anywhere near the Senate passed it, I believe, already, so it's going to the House. You're right. It's not terrible. It's not as bad as so let me talk to you about it again. We're talking to Stephen Hunter, the author of Target Targeted, one of the Bob Lee Swagger sniper novels. Uh just t- terrific stuff, truly. Um so I'm going to read you some of, the, some of the things that are in the bill. So there's $750 million, which I think is chump change to the government, right, to help states implement and run crisis intervention programs, uh, to implement and manage red flag programs. So what is, what is wrong with a, a, a good red flag program?
1: Well, I, the opportunities for mischief are endless. Uh, theoretically, there is a, uh, a uh, due process aspect of this thing and a federal judge has to get involved. But knowing how bureaucracies function and, uh, and how the government functions in any event, I know that's gonna get blurred and lost and twisted and it's gonna open a lot of people up to uh, to mischief against them. Um, if you have a political opponent, if you have a broken marriage, if your boyfriend is cheating on you, and any of those are gun people, an anonymous phone call puts them in a lot of trouble and they've done nothing illegal. And I, I just consider that, you know, you'd say, well, you know, it's for the kids, but the, the, the real point here is that none of this stuff can be demonstrated to do anything For the kids, Uh, there's no uh, there's no evidence that, uh, you know, I mean, the red flag stuff is the flavor of the week for the left. Uh, There's no evidence that it's ever saved life one. It's just it's just sort of virtue theater. You know, it's preening before the cameras. Uh, It's it's uh, showing up, uh, you know, your your base constituency. And uh, it's it's just money wasted and and poorly spent. And we could be doing more practical things to prevent specifically school shootings than trying to monitor the entire population of America for the one psycho moron in, uh, you know, uh, Sausalito Falls, Ohio. It's just, it's just an enormous expenditure in time. What
0: what would you do to protect the school?
1: I'm glad you asked. I have a three-point program. The first (laughs) thing I would do is I would not arm teachers, but I would arm one member of the staff secretly. It could be the cafeteria manager. It could be Mrs. Jackson who's taught uh, kindergarten for 35 years. It could be uh, the gym teacher. It could be uh, old Ralph, the janitor. And he's got a small, flat, nine-millimeter pistol in a belly band around his stomach. Nobody can see it. That tells the guy, Psycho, hello, Psycho, you're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble because this nice, smiley old man is going to blow your brains all over the ceiling. And and it's more as of a deterrent uh, than it is a, a sense that it will inevitably happen. It will inevitably happen. But I, to me, that makes a lot more sense than, uh, than, you know, putting Sam Brown belts and peacemakers on the hips of, on the hips of home econ teachers. And that, that I don't really, I don't think that, that's not a good idea. Who thought that was a good idea? The second thing I think has to be done is the police have got to understand that when somebody assaults a school, they're no longer policemen, they're infantrymen, okay? And their job is to search, find, engage, and kill. And they are in a war. And as in a war, they may take fire. And as in a war, they may get hit. And as in a war, they may die. But that's the job they signed up for. They... You know, they said they were okay with that. That was that's should be part of the code, and it would. And if nothing else, it would spare us this grotesque and dispiriting theater of policemen standing around chewing gum while seventy-five feet away, children are being shot. You know, it's just that's that's so so incredibly depressing. I, I can't. As, as you know, and everyone else. The third thing is media. Media, and I'm not, I'm right, I'm libertarian as far as freedom of the press, but I think the press itself should impose, and I would start at the top with my good friends at the New York Times, uh, don't don't examine these kids' lives. When a guy goes off like this, you know, you could talk about the shooter, but you don't need to. You don't need to know his name. You don't need to know his family history. You don't need to know his what his best friend. Oh, Billy was acting strange. You don't need that. It doesn't it doesn't advance the story. The story is the deaths and the outcome. The story isn't you know this this twisted little uh, human debauch jerk who did this terrible thing Uh, and it it seems to me that those three things would go a lot further and would be would go a lot further we'll leave the money out of it than this sort of pie you know this sort of idea of policing everybody with the hope of catching somebody it's just not a it's just conceptually it's it's not sound it's against the physics of human reality if you will
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, again, we're talking to Stephen Hunter, the author of the Bob Lee Swagger novels. The latest one is Targeted, uh, which I, the plot just <laughs> sounds great. I haven't gotten to it yet, but the plot sounds terrific. Uh, I have to go back to the novels for just a sec. You know, the last uh, one, one of my last novels, a, a copy editor uh, told me that I should not call somebody. Uh, uh, Coffee-colored because uh, people uh, slaves used to have to, you know, pick co- uh, bean coffee beans or something like that. You know, one of those instant debts that you put, where you put everything back the way it was. But but I when I read your novels, I think like how how do you get past, uh, you know, because you really are out there with this stuff, and some of, some of the stuff, like I said, has made my jaw drop. And made me laugh out loud. Uh, there are some people uh, who who get it in the in the neck in these novels that I, I told you I'd like to see them get it in every novel. Just the same scene over and over again. But but, but do you ever get these kind of shocked uh, woke uh, copy editors coming at you?
1: Not so much. And you see, the, uh, the editor sets the tone, and mm. the copy editor will read the cues from the editor, and without words having been spoken. She will or he will know what the standards are, and uh, you know, I've been doing this thing for more than 40 years, and uh, without making claims of greatness or anything like that, I will say that there is an established audience, and it's really not worth it to them financially. Well, I that's probably not, I, I don't know how financial it is, it's more ideological. Uh, there's just so many things to fight about when you publish a novel. You probably know that it's also true yeah. in the business. That why pick fights? I guess is what's going Everyone just wants you know, I'm in the middle of making some corrections on a novel that's coming out next year, and uh, you know, there's enough to fight about without <laughs> politics and culture in it.
0: <laughs> All right, Stephen Hunter. The author of the Bob Lee Swagger novels, the latest one is Targeted. Steve, it is great uh, to finally get to meet you in more or less in person, and I hope you'll come back and we'll talk again, uh, and I, even off the air.
1: Thank you, thank you so much, Drew. I'm uh, I'm very pleased to be here, and I'm very I appreciate your uh, I don't know I appreciate your emotion for me yeah <laughs> oh, like word,
0: but something like that.: <laughs> I know, that's why we take all our time to pick these words. A- anyway, thanks man. And I like that. <laughs> thanks very much, Steve. I'll talk to you again. Bye bye now. If you're sitting in your car and you're writing to the mailbag asking why you can't get a date, it may be because your car's not running. And maybe your car's not running because you don't go to rockauto.com. When you say rockauto.com, it solves both problems at once. First of all, women just love it. They love the sound of that, rockauto.com. They just swoon for that. They'll be pounding on your door and saying, get your car fixed so we can go on a date. And you'll get your car fixed easily by going to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's really easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. If you can just get, you got to push the women out of the way so you can see the screen. RockAuto.com has always reliably low prices and they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Though so if you become a professional at saying RockAuto.com, your life will be golden. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Clavin in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know I sent you. How do you spell Clavin? All right, summer has just begun, but it's already been one for the history books at the Daily Wire. We have so much for you to watch and read this weekend. What is a Woman, Matt Walsh's documentary, is one of the most talked about films in America and just terrific. It's got a 97% fresh rating from more than 5,000 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, The book, What is a Woman, is now a national bestseller, so be sure to pick up your copy of that on Amazon or wherever you buy books. Then there's Gina Carano's triumphant return to the silver screen in Terror on the Prairie, a fantastic film, but also an important one because of what it represents. Disney canceled her, we uncanceled her, and together we proved you don't need Hollywood to have a Hollywood ending. And you'll definitely want to tune in to Sunday special this weekend because our special guest is award-winning author and investigative journalist, Matt Taibbi. You get all of this and so much more when you become a Daily Wire member. The rest of the summer is bound to be jam-packed. There's never been a better time to become a member. Just go to dailywire.com slash subscribe for 25% off your new membership. That's dailywire.com slash subscribe today. Join the fight. So talking about the the culture today, I wanna go back to this idea of violence on the left and the right being one organism in, in effect. And to talk about this, uh, I have to talk a a, a bit, uh, I have to say something vague about Adolf Hitler. And whenever you talk about Hitler, you are endangered that the people who go out of their way to try and make you look like a a fascist or a bad guy, uh, you have to make sure you're being very clear so at least the honest people understand what you're saying. Because I remember uh, Ben uh, Shapiro once at a March for Life uh, was asked something about whether he would allow an abortion to stop evil from happening. And he said, you know, I wouldn't kill... Uh, baby Hitler, I would take Hitler, baby Hitler out of his family so he wouldn't be abused and hopefully wouldn't grow up to be Hitler which is not only uh, a good answer, it is the only humane right answer and they made it sound like he was sort of making, ex- it was absurd, they made it sound like he was making some kind of excuses for Adolf Hitler uh, so l- let me just start by saying Hitler, bad, I'm not <laughs> not a fan, uh, you know, he was uh, an evil psychopath uh, and uh, as close to the Antichrist as appears on the earth. So nothing I say is meant to uh, encourage anybody to be friendly toward Hitler. Bad, bad, bad. bad. So it's just making that clear. Ah, but one of the aspects of evil is that uh, evil touches things and puts stains on things that are otherwise good. So in the Catholic Church, there are, uh, you know, homosexual rapists who make the the church look bad and who make uh, Christianity look bad, but they, they in fact, don't say anything about Christianity. They only say anything about their evil. And, uh, you know, vegetarians always get upset when people point out that Hitler was a vegetarian, but he was very dedicated uh, to vegetarianism, uh, and that doesn't make vegetarianism bad. It's the taste of vegetables that makes bad. It's not, not Hitler. Uh, but, but, you know, uh, you know the, the joke, Hitler was loved dogs, and dogs are good, and he wore shoes, and, um, you know, we, we believe in shoes. So it's the whole thing about murdering people that we were against, right? Uh, but one of the things that Hitler touched was romanticism, and uh, that tainted romanticism. And uh, I define romanticism uh, in very broadly as the idea that the human heart is part of reality; that our way of looking at life uh, is uh, is is part of what makes life worthwhile, and also part of the reality of life. So, um, so that when people say. Uh, that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, I say, say, well, yes, the way a rainbow is in the eye of the beholder, there is something beautiful, uh, and there are things that are not beautiful, and human beings are created to see that. And it's the collaboration, in the collaboration between reality that I always talk about, reality and the human heart, uh, that the experience of life... Uh, exists and matters, but also the experience of God's creation continues. We continue uh, as, God, as God's image in the world. We create we create the world and continue his work of creation by the love that we have for one another, by the beauty that we appreciate in the world, uh, by the feelings that we have and the grief and the, all the different emotions. Uh, and that is, uh, you know, I was just watching um a documentary by the philosopher Roger Scruton about uh, beauty. Um, I, a friend of mine at church uh, gave it to me, and I I won't mention his name because he has a, a lovely and elegant wife, and if she'll lose all respect for him if she finds out he's listening to the show, uh, but, um, and for other reasons as well. But anyway, Scruton was talking about beauty and saying that that beauty is a, a a door that leads us home. It takes us home, and I would say, and, and Scruton does not say this, but I would say that it's God who is our home, and that beauty is a pathway uh, to God. And and you, without the including the human imagination in life, you begin to think that beauty doesn't matter. Uh, you begin to begin to think you get the kind of buildings that we got in the in the fifties uh, and sixties. It's just a horrible, horrible looking things. You get uh, modern art, and this is what I wanted to say about Hitler. Hitler uh, was uh, an enemy of modern art, and back. Uh, And he had a degenerate art exhibition, uh, very famously, uh, in 1937, uh, where they put all the modern art on display before taking it out of the museums. Uh, And some of that art you look at and you think, like, well, you know, no friend of Hitler, but Hitler had a point, you know. And uh, the art that he approved of that that he thought was the right German Aryan art— it was also to me what what he what he wanted was the uh, ideal human form like the Greeks would would make sculpture of the ideal human form and he wanted to bring that back. I think that the Hitlerian art um, is is kind of sentimental and over romanticized and over romanticizes the human form in a way the Greeks did not but I I, I would still prefer. A, an ideal human form than I would to some of the modern art and especially the abstraction, uh, which means absolutely nothing to me. It is in fact abstraction is in fact removing the collaboration of the mind and reality and just leaving the mind, and that is what abstraction is essentially. It's saying this is this is what we what we see. The, this is not the world. The art is not the world, but art is a representation of the world that is meant to humanize it and meant to make it beautiful. The thing about, of course, uh, Hitler and his ideal art and and his not-modern art is you can use it for evil purposes, and this is the idea of romanticism. This is why people uh, say romanticism is bad, because it reintroduces the... Uh, authority of the human imagination, and sometimes the human imagination is corrupt. So, for instance, here's this uh, this picture of Hitler as a knight in shining armor, this horrible, you know, gnarled mind, and this twisted uh, murderer of children, and, you know, this this evil beginner of wars that left 60 million people dead, and here is a knight in shining armor. Clearly, that is applying uh, a, an evil value to something that speaks to us of good, the, the image of a knight. Uh, and, and I complain that the left does this in the movies all the time. The biggest example of it is V uh, for Vendetta, uh, where uh, you know the, the V for Vendetta guy is, is fighting uh, fascism. Um, well, here's here's a, a clip to show you what I mean. It's uh, cut 23.
2: Oh my God, that's God Save the Queen. My parents took me to when they hung it at Gallery 12. I thought that had it destroyed.
0: He believes he did. Cost me more than this house. But no matter how bad I feel, it always cheers me up.
2: What is that?
0: It's a copy of the Quran, 14th century.
2: Are you a Muslim?
0: No, I'm in television.
2: But why would you keep
0: it? I don't have to be Muslim to find the images beautiful. So, so this was taking place in the middle of the war on terror and the Christians are the fascists and the parliament uh, is is representative of fascism and it ends, with, the movie ends with them blowing up parliament, the, the British parliament, the mother of all, all parliaments. And so essentially what they do is they make it look like a fight for fascism, but they plug in the values uh, that led us to freedom, like Christianity. They plug in that into the fascist place and they make out the give them the fascist uniforms and these kind of weird cross-like symbols, uh, and the Quran becomes, I don't have to believe in, you know, the guy's gay, Stephen Fry, uh, not just Stephen Fry, but also the character he's playing in the movie, uh, is gay, and so, you know, the Quran is not exactly friendly uh, toward gay people, and look, I'm, This is not to knock the Quran. It's simply saying that uh, they wouldn't have done that with the Gospels because they, they have established in the movie that the Gospels are evil and the victims are the nice Muslim people who are being torn apart. And so, you know, you can plug in um, bad values into good images. And that's the thing. Those images have a truth. Beauty is truth. Truth is beauty. But you have to find that truth, and you have to trust the truth, and you have to look for it uh, in order to find it. And that's where Hitler uh, goes wrong, even though, I, like I said, I agree with him uh, about uh, the, the degeneracy of, of modern art. Uh, I feel that about modern art the way I feel about rap. Uh, not that there are no talented modern artists, not that there are, I think there's extremely talented uh, rappers, uh, but the form itself is mistaken. The form itself is is less beautiful. Uh, and, and this is something that that happened after the wars, uh, really after World War I, uh, when they, when artists began to say that beauty uh, is not the thing we're searching for, and this is where you got like an unmade bed. Uh, Scruton talks about this in his documentary. You get an unmade bed as a work of art, or a, a urinal uh, as a work of art, and the artist would say, "Well, because I say it's a work of art, because it's in a museum, that's what makes a work of art." Uh, and and uh, again, so not including this idea of beauty. It's to disturb you. It's disturbing. You notice this all the time. This movie, that movie was really disturbing, is a word of praise. But in fact, there's no, I I mean, I could kill a child and it would be disturbing, uh, but it's not art. Um, However, when you see art, when you see beauty, um, it does something very different. And so, for instance, uh, a Pieta, um, you know, the Michelangelo's Pieta, which I think is one of the most uh, beautiful works of art in, human history, uh, but think about what it's about. A pieta, of course, is a, a statue of, uh, or yeah, a statue of um, uh, the Virgin Mary holding her son Jesus after he's been crucified, usually holding him on her lap. And um, it's ex- this statue is extraordinarily beautiful. But think of what it is. It's the saddest moment in, in, in human history, but a sad moment in anybody's life. A mother with her dead child uh, is maybe the worst thing that can happen. Um, and that, and here, of course, there's also the theological el- element that God has been murdered, um, and and there's this terrible grief. Pieta means pity, uh, it comes from the word pity, and yet it's beautiful. So you say, well, why is that beautiful? Why is this uh, judicial murder, uh, this grieving mother, why is that beautiful? And it's beautiful because it connects one human to other humans through this universal experience of grief. And that is where the beauty comes from. The beauty comes from the connections between us and the humanization um, of, of who we are. And that's why, when you go back to that Hitler as a knight, that's why romanticism is frequently returning to the Middle Ages. Um, and this is uh, the point I want to ultimately get to. Romanticism frequently harkens back to the Middle Ages, and you see this in politics as well. And that's why you get you know, Hitler as a, a knight in shining armor, uh, and that's why you get people saying today that the Reformation well, was a terrible mistake, we need to go back pre-Reformation to get back to the Middle Ages. Well, why, what is it? Because in the Middle Ages, the religion was so pervasive and so complete, and God was not dead, he was very present in people's minds, that everything, spoke, became beautiful, The things became beautiful and enchanted. The word they often use is enchanted. They say after the Middle Ages, the world became disenchanted, and that's why we came to this modern art. Um, Here's the point I, I wanna make about ugliness though. Ugliness from good people, disturbing art from good people, puts beauty into the hands of evil people. When the elites, when the leaders, when the thought leaders and the chattering classes and the clergy are all praising ugliness and drag queen story hour and singers pretending to masturbate in front of children when they're making the culture ugly, beauty is delivered into the hands of the evil. It is delivered into the hands of people who want power like Hitler. And this is the thing that really, really disturbs me about what's happening. Just in the same way, when Nancy Pelosi kneels down in support of violence, in support of rioting, when she calls for rioting in the street, when she says, I, I can't understand why they're not rioting. I can't understand why there's not more rioting. When she says that, and then she says, ooh, January 6th, the people, she did it. It's her violence, it's her violence. And in the same way, when you pretend to masturbate in front of children, when you do ugly sex shows and twerk in front of children, and you turn the world into uh, a gay quote-unquote pride parade that emphasizes, uh, you know, sexual disorder instead of the love that is supposed to be expressed uh, through sexuality, you deliver beauty into the hands of Lesser people than yourselves. I mean, now when the, a fascist comes along, when a Hitler comes along and says, "Oh yes, but here's beautiful art uh, that's better than the art," people go like, "Well, he's got a, he's got a point," uh, and 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 we mustn't let that happen. We mustn't let that happen because whether you know whatever you think, the, the guys on the far right, uh, on the violent right, are just as bad. They're the same. They're the same people. It's the circle. It's not a line. It's not a line between left and right. It's a circle, and left and right meets uh, at the, at the end. And so to, to recreate a beautiful world, and this is something I want to be talking about more as we go on uh, in later shows, to create a beautiful world is, in fact, the mission of right-wing culture, of conservative culture, uh, of culture that believes in freedom. And when I say conservative, what I mean is the culture that believes in freedom. Our mission now is not to create any culture, not to create right-wing culture, uh, but to create beautiful culture. Uh, And culture, as I said, beauty can come out of grief, it can come out of injustice, it can come out of ugliness, but it has to be human and it has to be full of the things that we know to be truth, which is what makes beauty. All right, an exciting show. A lot happening today. Really a big, big day, a big week. And now, time to solve your problems. It is time for The Mailbag.
2: Woo! My message is simple.
0: I was going to put him in uh, foot, foot. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be my answer to all the questions. Uh, from Jim, what drives you to keep getting up and trying to change things when personal attacks are happening more frequently? As a budding content creator, backlash is always an ever-present force, and I'm looking for pointers. Bless you, and thanks for reading. Uh, well, first, I, I don't see myself as, as trying to change things. I, I, things, in some, in some very deep sense, things don't change. Um, I, I can do only one thing. I can only say what I believe to be true, uh, change it if I find it that I'm wrong, uh, and and also live according to what I think is true, which I think is really important. I don't want to be uh, the guy who gives uh, romantic advice after he's married his third wife. That's not who I want to be, you know? So, like, I, I want to actually live what I'm talking about. And if that makes a change in someone's life, which I'm told it has on from time to time, uh, I am very—every uh, time somebody writes me about this, I'm incredibly deeply moved. Uh, and, of course, if it ever leads people— um, to, to God, then I feel that I get uh, green stamps. And when I get into heaven, they give me a toaster. Uh, so that's that's the way I think about it. So now, uh, you remember when you were born and you signed a contract that said you'd be able to speak the truth without getting attacked? <laughs> yeah, that, that never. Oh, that never happened? Oh, gosh, you mean when speaking the truth, you get attacked? Yeah, that's what happens. That is what happens. And so uh, I, what I would say is there's a price you pay for everything. Uh, the price I, you know, I have paid quite a lot, uh, in, certainly in cash, uh, for saying the things that I say. I've, I've paid it in lost friends, I've paid it in lost relatives, um, and um, and in the things that people say about me. Who told you that it wasn't going to be like that? And is it worse now than it has been in the past? Yeah, it probably is. Uh, and is it getting worse? Yeah, and, you know, and probably get worse before it gets better. Um, and so that's the the landscape, and I don't know what you're looking for. You know, I always I always get a little bit miffed. I have to uh, be honest because I get I get a lot of the calls now. Uh, you know, when I started talking about the culture, nobody was listening, but now I get a lot of people calling me up and saying, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna start a a TV company that produces conservative content, but I'm going to travel beneath the radar. And I always say the radar goes right down to the ground. There's no beneath the radar. And if you don't come out and say who you are and say what you mean, then when they get you, when they cancel you, no one will be there to defend you. Uh, you know, at least if they cancel me or they try to cancel me, everybody's going to know what it's about. You know, if they, if they say, uh, you know, he said this, everybody's going to know what I believe because I tell you what I believe and I'm not trying to hide anything. So uh, have courage or don't. <laughs> you know, it's like whichever you want. But if you don't have courage, don't do this. Um, from Rob, I'm a big admirer of yours. Your humor and insight is a source of great joy each week. Thank you so much. My question is in regards to formally converting to Christianity from Judaism. Uh, I've gotten this letter. I think he sent it to me personally, and I can't really answer questions like this personally. Uh, he comes from a Jewish background. He feels Christ's presence in his life. Um, his mainly through the influence of my wife, he says, but through my own spiritual journey. Uh, my problem, however, is I know that my mother and grandmother, uh, who are Jewish, would be deeply saddened and hurt if I were announced to them that I've chosen to go down this path. My relationship with both would be deeply strained. I'm torn on how I should proceed. I don't wanna be baptized and keep it a secret for them, though I have considered it. Uh, having read and loved your book, The Great Good Thing, I know that you went through a similar situation with regard to your father. Uh, and that he passed away shortly after your conversion. Actually, he passed away uh, right before I was baptized, And but I knew he was dying, and so I never told him that, that I was being baptized because I didn't want to break his heart. But had he lived, I, I certainly would have. Um, not because I wanted to break his heart, but because I don't don't want to live a lie. Uh, so he says, please guide me. I cannot think of anyone whose advice would be more apropos on this matter than yours. And yeah, that, that's all I can tell you. You can't live a lie, and um, you, You know, in my case, because I'm, you know, I speak in public, it would have meant my father opening the newspaper one day and reading, you know, an article or an interview with me and and finding out about it. So I was definitely going to tell him. It was literally as he came to my house and I was considering, was this the time to tell him that he announced that he was ill? Uh, And so uh, as I tell the story in in The Great Good Thing. Um, But yeah, you you can't... um, you can't live a lie. I mean, it, it, first of all, you can't become a Christian and live a lie because Christianity is the opposite of that. Christianity is uh, living the truth. Uh, and so uh, you're stuck. And it's painful. And I hope your mother and grandmother will understand. Um, they may be more understanding than you think, uh, but you should tell them with um, uh, gentleness and compassion and understanding that it that it hurts them. Um, but, you know... <sighs> It's it's a it's a big deal. It is a big deal to come to Christ. It will change your life, and I guarantee you for the better. Uh, but this will be part of it. And and Jesus talks about this. He says that he's going to divide families, and uh, um, and it's um, it's it's tough. You know, I mean, it really is. And um, but that's that's it. It's not an it's not an easy religion, and the truth isn't an easy thing. Um, From Josh growing up, uh, my best friend was my younger brother. We're two years apart. We naturally did everything together. As we went through college together, I began to notice that certain influences were beginning to pour into his life, take him off the straight and narrow. God took a back seat, he is now a deconstructed leftist who has gone from claiming to be an unapologetic follower of Christ to an atheist who is living with a girlfriend who continues to warp his mind further from God. She's an open bisexual and atheist, uh, pro everything you despise, as far as from Jesus, as you can be here on earth. She hates God and has posted on Twitter it is her desire to make my brother doubt him. Uh, he's forgone all morality for his relationship and all, for this relationship and also friend group. In my mind, this woman is an antichrist. I'm hopeful that God chooses to wake my brother up uh, and that he can experience true joy that comes from knowing and loving God. Um, his walls are high; his defenses are built by those who he is around. I've tried to share the gospel with him, but to no avail. How would you try to reach him? Uh, his girlfriend uh, has her talons sunk into his mind. Uh, any advice there would help. Thank you for all that you do. Well, first of all, uh, you know, I'm not saying his girlfriend is not a bad influence, but he's responsible for himself. Um, you know, that's it's not it's not like oh the evil girl. I mean, everybody was always doing that, uh, and and I'm not saying she's not everything you say she is. I, I don't know her, but you know, I'm going to just take you at your word. Uh, but he is responsible for himself. Uh, and what I would say to you is let him know uh, that you love him and you will be there. Uh, and if he ever comes back to Christ, you will be there for him in Christ, uh, and you hope he does, but stop preaching at him because it's not gonna do anything. Uh, Be his his friend as much as you can, uh, and and grieve because you've lost your best friend. Uh, You know, that's that's really sad, and it may just stay that way. That may be true for the rest of your life. So, uh, you know, take some time uh, to grieve, um, and be an influence through what he sees in you uh, of your joy, your love, your kindness, Uh, and your life going well. And uh, there may come a time, let us pray, and you should pray. There may come a time when God reaches into his life and says, uh, hey, this is what this is leading you to. Uh, Take a look at this. And he wakes up, and he might, he might but he also might not, and you are not in control of it. And That's just a really sad thing, and I know what you're, believe me, I understand what you're going through, uh, but um, but those are, those are really your only choices. If you preach at him, you'll probably just chase him deeper and deeper into his shell. Uh, if you demonstrate to him your love and kindness and your uh, joy in Christ, uh, maybe he'll see that light when the darkness closes in, as it probably at some point will. Um, that's the best I can do for him, sorry. Uh, All right, I'm gonna stop there um, for a couple of reasons, but one reason is, is I send you off into the uh, inky darkness of the Clavenless week, um, I think it is a. This is an excellent time uh, for us to just say a quick word of thanks uh, to the former president of the United States, Donald Trump, for his and and to Mitch McConnell uh, for engineering these excellent uh, appointments to the Supreme Court, uh, who have done a great and good thing today. Uh, and I think we should end with our one of our favorite montages that we don't get to use very much anymore, uh, the Trump uh, happiness montage. So with this, I say to you, we will be back. Uh, next Friday, uh, or I think maybe we may be on Thursday next week. I'm not sure, but we'll be back with the Andrew Clavin show. I am Andrew Clavin.
1: We're going to win so much. We're going to win at every level. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to win economically. We're going to win with the economy. We're going to win with military. We're going to win with healthcare and for our veterans. We're going to win with every single facet.
0: My, oh, my, what a wonderful day.
1: We're going to win so much, you may even get tired of winning. Yay! You say, please, please, it's too much winning. We can't take it anymore. I feel pretty, oh, so pretty. I
0: feel pretty and witty and gay. We have to keep winning. We have to win more. We're going to win more. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode and want to spread the word, give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe, too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, basically wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, remember to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Walsh Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thank you for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Lisa Bacon, executive producer Jeremy Boring, our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, Production manager Pavel Wadowski. Editor and associate producer Danny D'Amico. Our audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. Our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. And our production assistant is Jacob Falash. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production, Copyright Daily Wire 2022. John Bickley here, Daily Wire Editor in Chief. Wake up every morning with our show, Morning Wire, where we bring you all the news that you need to know in 15 minutes or less. Join me and my co-host, Georgia Howe, for daily coverage of all the biggest stories on Morning Wire.